Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodem with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Last week, the State University of New Jersey featured a panel discussion Rutgers alumni at the helm a conversation of women in sports leadership. The group included Caroline O'Connor, the chief operating officer of the Miami Marlins, Kathleen Francis, the chair and president of Women in Sports and Events, Inc., or WISE, Cassie McBride, vice president and general counsel of the San Jose Sharks, and Catherine Tappan, NBC Sports host and reporter. We'll focus on Tappan, a Rutgers College graduate, who highlights her Scarlet Knight's connections in the origin story of her two-decade broadcasting career. Just a little bit about my background. I knew when I was a little girl I wanted to do this. I thought I wanted to do it. Um, was a part of a extracurricular activity at my elementary school called Forensics, which was public speaking. And I also played every sport on the planet and loved playing sports and watching sports. So I was fascinated by Katie Couric and the Today Show, and I just kind of thought, gee, wouldn't it be fun to be a broadcaster and do what I love in sports? From a young age, I thought this might be a good career path for me. In college, I studied journalism and ran track and field for um, for Rutgers and cross country. And then it just further solidified my belief that this was something that I'd want to do. Uh, My junior year at Rutgers, I was in a small journalism class and a gentleman came to speak to our class named Tim Pernetti. And at the time, Tim was an executive at ABC Sports. He was a former tight end of the Rutgers football team. He had married a woman from the women's lacrosse team at Rutgers and he bled scarlet. And Tim spoke to our class and I was fixated on what he did. He was more on the content side of ABC Sports, but he also would do Rutgers football games um, on the local television and local radio. So he had that background as well. And I went up to him after class um, and shook his hand and asked for his information, told him what I wanted to do. And he gave me his business card. And at the time there were business cards and he said, um, you know, stay in touch and just let me know if I can ever help you. Well, I stayed in touch probably too much. Cause I think every month I was emailing Tim telling him I wanted, you know, to be on television and how would I get there and what steps did I need to take? Um, well, the summer following my junior year, because I had stayed in touch with him, he said, we have an internship available at ABC sports. So I was training for cross country in the fall on campus. And I was taking the train from new Brunswick to New York city. And then a a subway line I had to transfer twice to, and I was, you know, not getting paid for the internship and I was bleeding money and, you know, not trying, trying to figure out how the heck I was going to survive while getting these credits for the internship, but it was worth it. And I think, you know, those sacrifices you have to make early in your career. And there's a lot you have to make later in your career as well. But I knew that internship would be invaluable because it opened up so many new opportunities from a network perspective. I mean, I met people that I still to this day run into in the business who are so proud because they remember, oh, you were sitting at the desk in the, you know, outside of our offices at ABC Sports and you were always filing or doing something. I mean, they remember that and now they see, you know, what I've accomplished in my career. But it, it goes back to Tim to this day. Tim is one of my closest confidants, one of my biggest fans. I mean, I think having male male allies is incredibly important to what we do as females in this industry. And in, in part uplifting one another is important, but also having those male allies, especially the ones that are in positions of hiring or positions of promoting people. Um, but yeah. And so after our graduating college, the internship at ABC sports lent me to another opportunity that Tim brought to my attention. He had left ABC and went to CSTV, which was a launch up college sports network at the time in New York city. And they were in search of their first on-air broadcaster. And I won that competition, got a little dabble in television, and then ultimately moved on to local TV in Providence, Rhode Island, which really gave me the 
the nitty gritty, what you need to accomplish, um, you know, going out on a local news story, coming back, putting it together for the six and 11 o'clock newscast. Um, you know, that was really the meat and potatoes of where I learned television and doing a live shot and what a roll cue was and having someone talking in my ear while I'm trying to talk. All of that came with experience in the field at NBC 10 in Providence, Rhode Island. So, but, you know, and ultimately that my career went to regional and to national. I've been at NBC now for nine years, but I think, you know, when you think about the importance of taking that time after class and introducing yourself, or even if you're scared or nervous, do you think, what does this person want to do dealing with a young college student? Well, they're there for a reason talking to that class. I think they expect you to come forward. They want you to come forward and they're willing to help. Um, I tell a lot of Rutgers student athletes all the time that I mentor, don't be afraid to ask for help um, because people more often than not are willing to share their areas of expertise and to provide, especially if it's a Rutgers student or an alumni. I mean, certainly we all, we all have that in our blood and we're proud of it and we're happy to help somebody else in that situation as well. As someone who benefited from mentors that went before her in athletics and the classroom, Tappan gives back to current Rutgers athletes and shares the advice she gives them today. The best thing to do is to, to try a little bit of everything. You know, I, I was a situation where I thought when I was a kid, I wanted to do this. So that happens to be a, probably unique. I think most people maybe don't know what they want to do and that's totally fine. I think um, trying a little bit of everything, you know, I encourage people to go get internships, um, pick the brains of people who have jobs that you think you might want. So reach out to someone in the banking industry or the legal industry or media, um, whatever it may be, marketing, on-air broadcasting, and just pick their brain a little bit. Ask if you can shadow them. Ask, ask for any opportunity to learn more about what they do. And I think that's that's the best way you're going to figure out if it's something you want to do. You know, if you want to sit behind a desk the rest of your career and break down numbers and be, you know, more sports analytics perspective, then go shadow somebody that does that and see if that's really an opportunity that you want to take advantage of. So I think that's probably, um, you know, my best piece of advice. As teams create media and tell the stories of their own players, Tappan notes there are more opportunities to break into the business than when she graduated college. I do think that there's more avenues to explore career in, in uh, sports broadcasting. I mean, there are so many places now where, teams have media brands, right? Like teams have their own reporters in the arena, in the actual stadiums on their websites. I mean, I remember when I was covering the Patriots for NBC 10 in Providence, Rhode Island, I was one of only a handful of reporters that were doing local TV, but within three years when I had moved up to Nesson and I was still covering the Pats, but from a regional network standpoint, there were so many women that were coming up and being part of the Patriots broadcasting team. And I'm like, who is this Patriots broadcasting? Because they had launched it and they had a whole digital platform and they also had their own television show dedicated to it. So more so there are different places you can go. I think you know, less when I graduated, it was more of, you got to go to market 150 and above and go to the middle of nowhereville, USA and, and yeah. get your reps in it's probably a little bit more opportunities to get those reps in now, but it's a competitive space. And I think that the biggest thing is if you have that fire inside you and the drive and the work ethic and the preparation, you'll find your path to where you want to be. Um, but it is, you know, it's competitive. Everybody wants or thinks they want to be on camera until they until they get to experience all the fun part about being on camera, which we can get into another time on another panel maybe. But yeah, I think there's probably more opportunities than podcasting though. One low cost way of starting a broadcasting career and creating your own content is podcasting. Tappan emphasizes the importance of passion and being unique 
in an industry with a glut of content. With regards to the pandemic, I mean, it there there was no other way to communicate on any platform really than podcasting, and you know, a lot of people were doing Instagram lives and trying to create their own brands, um, especially for those of us that work in front of the camera. Well, when we had nothing to talk about because sports were shut down, it became incredibly difficult to communicate with our fans and and you know our audiences and and maintain some kind of a conversation even in the absence of sports. I will say, with regards to podcasting, I think it is an incredibly saturated industry right. Right now, um, it is it is very hard to set yourself apart in podcasting. It's also incredibly difficult from an ad sales perspective. Um, you know, mm-hmm. ad sales aren't necessarily inclined to contribute as much as they would with linear or streaming services with television. Um, you know, for example, the Super Bowl. You know, you're going to get advertising dollars across every platform. We had it with Peacock. We had it with NBC Sports. We had it on all of our podcasters, but a lot of our podcasters are familiar names in the industry. So when it comes to podcasting, it's almost like you either have to be a recognizable talent who can establish an audience right out of the gate that an advertiser is going to want to contribute to, or you've got to have some kind of a unique idea. And I, that would be the biggest thing I would encourage of anybody that's listening on this panel. I mean, if you've got a unique idea or a creative idea or a brand that you want to create within yourself, then by all means launch it. And the best thing about a podcast is you can do it anywhere. You can do it in your house for pretty much whatever the cost of that microphone is and put it out on a streaming service. Um, it's when you start to get really good and you get a captive audience that can buy into that unique brand that you'll start to see more benefits from it. But it is a very, very, very hard space right now to get into. Does Tappan have an I made it moment? She recalls the time an A-list Hollywood actor knew her name during her time with the New England Sports Network. Then she recalls her first Olympics in Sochi, Russia, in 2014, and how she parlayed that freelance opportunity into a full-time role at NBC. I mean, I don't know if I'd have like an I made it moment in particular. I do remember um, when I was working at Nesson, and we have a Jimmy Fund radio telethon that we do. It's a 48-hour event to raise money for the, um, the local hospital and and cancer research. And, uh, Ben Affleck was a guest and he was coming through the concourse of Fenway and he couldn't find where he was going. And I was heading out to go to the TV trucks. And he looked up and he said, Oh, Catherine, can you tell me where I'm supposed to go for this? I literally was like, Oh my God, Ben Affleck knows who I am. That's not my aha moment, but that was a really funny story where I thought, um, okay, I made it because Ben Affleck, huge Ben Affleck. I think for me, you know, broadcasting my first Olympics game was, probably a moment where it was the first time I was working for NBC sports. It was a position of time in my career where I was coming into contract negotiations, whether I would be staying at my current network or have the opportunity to go national mm-hmm. at NBC. So it was a testing the water situation where they brought me to Sochi to broadcast hockey um, as a freelancer. And if it worked out well that summer, I was eligible for them to pick me up and, and sign a new contract with NBC sports. So um, it was also the Olympics and it was a dream of mine to, you know, one day compete in the Olympics, which I was not going to do. So the next best thing would be to broadcast it and, uh, you know, going to Russia and battling those elements at the time, which were not easy and, um, broadcasting my first Olympic games while also kind of using it as an audition for those two weeks to let NBC know what I was all about and to learn a little bit about them as well. That was a big breakthrough for me. And, um, you know, and I've been at NBC ever since. So I'd say that was kind of a, a career changing moment, not so much aha but it was definitely a moment that I can pinpoint in my trajectory of my career as to uh, a turning point for sure. Tappan believes we need inspiring content more than ever. 
After covering her fifth Olympics with the 2022 Beijing Winter Games, she notes the positive influence of NBC's Olympics and Paralympics storytelling. Some of the brands that I most identify with are the ones that are kind of enhancing the positivity around their brand. Um, I think there's just so much hardship on people right now and so much that's happened in the world in the last couple of years that any way we can bring the stories that create uplifting mindsets and positivity is the is the best way to communicate right now. And, you know, I, I think from my perspective, our NBC Olympics handles, our digital handles, our on her turf handle, um, the brands that we bring into those stories and the people and the athletes, um, you know, they're, they, they resonate with so many different people and different fan bases across every sport. And so when you see a story about some of our Paralympians that are, um, you know, Oksana Masters is a great example that we've put out on, on our social media handles. She won the gold medal in the Paralympics. She's a Ukrainian adopted child from a, a woman in the United States. And um, I featured her on a podcast a couple of years ago that I did. I think that is, that is kind of getting to the authenticity of sport and also mm-hmm. bringing out the greatest stories that we can share with the world right now in a time that those stories are really important to communicate. Um, Oksana has done a, a great job of that. And we've done a great job at NBC and our Olympic and, and marketing division of bringing those stories to so many different platforms, whether it's linear, Peacock, or digital social media. So um, just, again, just promoting positivity and enhancing that, I think, is the most important thing right now. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.